Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident. I'm your co-host, Cody Rogers. I'm Regent Erickson. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And this podcast exists to help you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship, and become more confident in the Word of God. And today's topic relates to being more confident in the Word of God, because sometimes the Word of God has hard passages, confusing Mm -hmm. passages, ones that you have to spend a few moments tackling and discussing, um, meditating on them, chewing on them. Um, And the one we're discussing today is just an instant, an instance, not an instant. What is an instant? Anyway, it's an instance, (laughs) right, of of a representation of of an ethical dilemma that pops Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. It's probably a good way to word it. Um, And that is the discussion on Rahab and the lie that she tells in Joshua. So let's just outline what we're doing for the rest of the the podcast. And let's start with why Rahab specifically. And I thought, Hannah, you might be able to answer this just a little bit because you're the one that suggested it. So what were you thinking when you like text us the group? And like, how about this one? Yeah. So whenever I texted it, I was reading in James and talking about the uh, faithfulness of Rahab. And I thought it's so interesting because in Rahab's story, so Rahab was um, a prostitute. um, And when Joshua sent spies into the land, the promised land, um, they stayed in Rahab's, I guess, brothel, essentially, and (laughs) in the wall of the city. But her family was there too, right? How awkward is that? Yeah. So it is all weird. (laughs) It's a weird situation in general. Um, But we have evidence that she at least knew of who God was. And so when um, the king of the land sent people to capture um, the Israelites, mm-hmm. um, she lied to them saying that she didn't know where they were or where they went. And the whole time she was hiding the people away. And so I was confused thinking about how is this, you know, like this is her faithfulness in the new Testament. But when we look back, there was deceit that was a part of it. And so how do we reconcile mm-hmm. that she was lying? Was she in sin for that? But then she was rewarded when the walls of Jericho came down, um, her family was saved. And so was God rewarding her for lying to the people? And just how do you handle that? And so I thought it'd be a great time to discuss it and how do we handle hard uh, passages like that? Yeah. So you clearly read in the Old Testament, like if you were to read it at face value, you're like, yeah, she lied. Mm-hmm. Like there's, yep. I mean, it's pretty strongly worded. Um, and then you read in the New Testament, she was faithful and yeah. look at how God blessed that, you know, um, Regent, can you just bring up the, the scripture that, that actually has the, uh, the controversy in it, the, the lie itself? I sure can. Yeah. So we're in the book of Joshua in chapter two is when the actual lie happens or when she, the lie is recorded, um, in verses four to six. And it says, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, this is what she's speaking to the people coming to get, um, get those men that were sent by the king. Um, she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. There's the tension. Yep. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't know where they are. And she didn't know where they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, at least that's how it appears. Um, so here, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we found an article related to this topic, you know, because I, I would think that um, many of you listening to this, when you have a question, there is a large chance that you are Googling that question yeah. and things are going to pop up. So we thought 
hey, let's find an article that you would find if you Googled. Um, find one from a trusted source, a source that you know we trust enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be a good sort of backbone and foundation for us to read through and discuss and, and just sort of talk about our thoughts as we're reading it. And then as we get to the end of the article, maybe we try to put a cap on it of like, all right, here's where we stand. Right? Here's what we think. Um, I should say to you listeners, we have not had a, a, an immense amount of conversation about this. Mm-hmm. So and Regent and I discussed it just shortly before Hannah got here. But otherwise, like we don't, we don't know where everyone lies or what mm-hmm. kind of dis- disagreements or debates we're about to have, or if we'll all be in agreement. So, uh, you know, be ready for the end when when it all comes <laughs> crashing down, yeah. right? So, um, uh, do you guys have anything to say before we dive into the article? And I'll, I'll explain the article and everything once we get into it. Nope. nope. All right. So the article is written by Sam Storms. It's on the Gospel Coalition, and it's called Perplexing Passages. Do Exodus 1 and Joshua 2 permit Christians to lie? And obviously, we're bringing this up because he speaks of Joshua 2, which is where Rahab is. Um, Is it ever acceptable for a Christian to lie? Make no mistake, God is truth, and we are to be like God. Truth-telling is a crucial moral duty for those in his kingdom. The crucial practical question is this. Is it ever morally permissible to tell a lie? So that's the question that we ask when we're experienced with this, right? That's that's a a well-worded way to think about the tension we feel between what Hannah said, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. Um. He said, perhaps a few examples will help focus our thoughts before we examine two well-known biblical texts. So let's, I'm going to read these as well, because I think this will help form um, the, the feeling, but in other contexts, right? Uh, so he says, is it ethical to post a beware of dog sign on your fence to deter a burglar, even when you don't own a dog? Is it ethical for a woman to fake a heart attack or to pretend to faint when attacked by a rapist for her to call out to her husband as if he were close by when he is not for her to tell her assailant, she has a sexually transmitted disease to discourage his assault. So those are, um, uh, he keeps on going. So I'll, I'll do a few more. Were the allies in world war II justified in deceiving Hitler concerning the location of the Normandy invasion, right? I I even think about that. Was it wrong for people hiding the Jews in their houses to lie and say that they did not know where they were or that they were not hiding them from the Nazis? Um, He goes on with a a few more in here. I think that's enough to get our discussion started and we'll skip down a little bit down in the article. So what does that raise in your guys's thoughts? Is this accurately portrayed the tension we're feeling with Rahab? Yeah, I think so. That, that there are things that um, that you can do in an effort to save someone or preserve something, but in that same act, you're lying. It's like, like he says, is that an okay thing to do? Are you sinning still mm-hmm. when you're lying, or does it outweigh it with the good? How do you understand that? Yep. It does it feel wrong to lie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Would it feel wrong to uh, tell the Nazis where the Jews were? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's the problem. That's yep. the dilemma. Do you have any uh, other thoughts on that, Regent, before we continue on? Nope. I agree. All right. So I think we've accurately, and I, th- I think the questions that this author asked are great questions because mm-hmm. they accurately 
identify the issue and apply it to many different things mm-hmm. that allow us to sort of see how it would apply in our lives as we're thinking through things. So uh, then he goes on, when moral obligations collide is the, the heading of this part. Consider other examples when moral obligations appear to conflict. Oh, this he goes into like some really in-depth stuff. That's right. Yeah. Um, so let's read just one of them. Richard's father makes a dying request of his son. Please promise that after I'm gone, you will take care of my horses. Promise you'll feed them, groom them, and do whatever this takes to keep healthy. In grief over his father's condition and out of love, Richard gives his word. After six months, the money his father left to cover those expenses is gone, and Richard borrows money to fulfill his promise, but his drain... Uh, but this drain takes its toll on Richard's wife and children. Is Richard morally obligated to continue paying for the care and upkeep of these horses while his family suffers? So that's just a good example of decision making through mm-hmm. this moral dilemma mm-hmm. itself. So, all right. I probably should edit that one out, but I'm not going to. <laughs> we'll get into it. Well, we're like nine minutes in. We got this. Oh, yeah. We got cool this, then. right? Okay. So now we get into it. The two crucial texts. The question is even more serious since there are two famous biblical examples. We already went over Rahab and that, and that example. The other one that he brings up here is Pharaoh. There's a, there's a moment where Pharaoh uh, in Exodus 1 demands that the Hebrew midwives kill all the newborn male babies, right? That it commands that they do that. Um, and when asked by Pharaoh why they didn't obey his command, the midwives tell him it's because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before a midwife can arrive. And God appears to issue his verdict on their behavior, and it says that God dealt well with the midwives, and he gave them family. So it appears that God rewards them for deceiving Pharaoh. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we went, we went over the Rahab one. So those are two scriptural examples. We've, laid, we've well laid this foundation now. It's time to time to discuss. Um, he says, "This is this is the meat falsehood versus lie." It appears then that there are occasions when deception is ethically permissible. How do you feel about that line? It feels really uncomfortable to me. I think because of the way, like Rahab is rewarded essentially um in james for righteousness i i'm not willing to reject that one um why does it feel uncomfortable because in my head and i will blame this this is like from my perspective um i've always been taught that any lie is bad Mm. and so i struggle to cross that hump for this specific situation to say that it can be okay because it's so explicit in scripture, it says, do not lie. Yeah. Like it's very blatantly obvious. It's not like lying itself, whether it's right or wrong, is a gray area. But then we get into these sticky situations where it becomes a gray area. I think that's what makes it so confusing is that you have an explicit command not to do it. And then you have these instances where people are rewarded for doing it. Yeah. And, and that specific command... Exodus 20, 16, you must not lie, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I just want to make sure we put put to word like, yeah. yes, that is in scripture indeed. Um, okay, so that already might ruffle some feathers. And he says, and he goes on to, to define, a lie is an intentional falsehood that violates someone's rights to know the truth. Is that how you would define a lie? 
How do you know when someone has a right to know the truth? That's my question. Yeah. So for some clarity here, he's his distinction between a falsehood and a lie is he's saying a falsehood is where if you can withhold the truth from someone and that's a falsehood. It's a lie when that restriction of the truth is done to someone who's morally obligated to know that truth. Yeah, who's morally obligated? Yeah, so he says, but there are cases which people forfeit the right to know the truth. This is what they're 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 going to the a bit further in the article. So the question is not whether it is ever morally permissible to lie, but what is a lie? A lie is the intentional declaration or communication of a falsehood designed to deceive someone who has a moral and legal right to know the truth. A lie is telling an untruth to someone to whom you are morally and legally obligated to speak the truth. There are, however, certain occasions in which you are not under obligation to tell someone the truth. And that's where you guys are starting to question, like, well, mm-hmm. how do you know that? How do you mm-hmm. know when you're not more morally obligated? Yeah, I guess the question is, like, scripturally, how would you define that? Mm-hmm. I don't have a clear place that I would go to that I know of that would define who's morally obligated to know the truth unless the uh, Lord ex- explicitly details it somewhere. But I, I, like, I, I wouldn't have like, oh, here's a place that would help clarify that. Like I understand like if you're in a courtroom and you make an oath to tell the truth and you aren't, that's lying, right? But if you just withhold information, then is it still lying and you're under oath? Like does that make it under law you have to give all the information or do you just have to say true things but you can withhold other things and that's okay? So, you know, he first says that he, he first talks about whether or not they have the right to know the truth. And then he talks about, are we morally obligated in the situation? So when you take an oath, you are morally obligated to say everything as, as best as you can, right? Because that's, mm-hmm. that's what that oath is. So I'd say that's a lie because you are morally obligated to speak the truth there because you mm-hmm. said you would. Um, so that, that hits that part. So when they have the right to know the truth, right, would be the... The other aspects. So mm-hmm. I think he's trying to balance both. Mm-hmm. But is saying untrue things different than withholding true things? Mm. Yeah. Is it? What do we think? I don't know. The nice thing <laughs> is in the, the two situations we're talking about right now, that in scripture, they are uh, falsehoods, right? They are things that were said that were not true. Yep. So the falsehood or a lie? Because it, it's blatant. And, yeah. In his definition, I think what he's going to say is that's I, the argument he's making is that it's not a lie. It's a falsehood. And it's not a lie because as, as we get into it, mm-hmm. um, like Rahab was not morally obligated to tell the enemies of God, the, the, the people who were at, yeah. at war with God was not morally obligated to divulge the truth to them. And so that's a falsehood because, uh, because it's not a lie. That's, that's what he's trying to say. Yeah. I and, think. And, the where I've I've where they get this conclusion is that later on after she tells this lie later on it describes how she knows y'all knows the Lord um, his plan for coming in and redeeming the promised land um, and acknowledges those things and so at least some places I've read talk about the assumption that um, she's a, a new you know a, a new believer part of the people of God at this point and so then her allegiance essentially would shift from the king to the people of God. Yeah. Uh, So he says, and I want to be certain that no one responds to this article with anything less than a fervent commitment to truth, truth telling and arguing as I have that there may be occasions when the communication of a falsehood is ethically permissible. I am not suggesting Christians that should become lax or casual in their treatment of the truth. 
the truth sets us free. So I think he says there's a difference between a lie and a falsehood, but then he doesn't fully lay out the difference between yeah. a lie and a falsehood. Correct? Yeah. We don't know like what, like what's the definition of a moral obligation and who, like, like how do you know who you're morally obligated to and who, like how do you know when you're not? Yeah. Is it just when the good outweighs the bad? Mm-hmm. So like with the Nazis and hiding the Jews, the good of protecting the lives of the Jews outweighs the lie that you're telling the Nazis. And that feels very much like works. Yeah. And that if you do enough good to outweigh the bad, then you are at good standing. And we yeah. know that that's not true. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to say to our listeners right now, we are heading into a realm of this is opinion and thought. Yeah. And we are just figuring it out ourselves. Like I said, we don't know. Do not take anything we say here as uh, the ultimate <laughs> truth and as representative of, of scripture, hopefully we'll land somewhere. But yeah. so I have an opinion too on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I've sort of shared a little bit with, with Regent. I, I would ask, mm-hmm. how do you know the difference between murdering and killing? Yeah. I wondered that. Yeah. Enlighten me. <laughs> I, well, I'd say w- one easy one is in times of war. Right. So like in scripture, um, it, it is not sinful for the Israelites to go and kill the Canaanites, right? Like, so... That's a whole other podcast I'd love right. to have. <laughs> but it's clear, right? It's yeah. clear in Scripture yeah. that it is not sinful. It yeah. is not held against them as sin. In fact, it is told by God for them to do it. Mm-hmm. So not every act of killing somebody is murder mm-hmm. and not ac- every act of killing somebody is sin. So what I, I'm making the argument, and I, I sort of agree with him. I don't think he listed it the way I would have, but I'd say not every act of falsehood is the sin of lying, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So to me, there's a difference between a falsehood and a lie. I think, I think at least Rahab here and with Pharaoh, we can call this an act of war. Right, an mm-hmm. act of war mm-hmm. of an enemy of God against God's people and God's mm-hmm. purposes. And so in an act of war, when God's enemies were at Rahab's door seeking to kill God's people, mm-hmm. she told a falsehood, and that was not counted against her as a lie because it was not sinful because mm-hmm. she was protecting God's people and God's purposes and and was was essentially equated to for me, equated to the difference between murdering and killing. Mm -hmm. To murder somebody is to take away a human being's life in a way that is um, out of self-gain, out of um, anger, out of sin itself, motivated Mm -hmm. by sin, right? Um, That is against God's purpose and will or against God's law, um, against God's word. So things like that, you know, was Rahab, um, well, so let's, let's say that between murdering mm-hmm. and killing. It, that's sort of what we can see the difference at the moment. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I'd agree, but how how do you apply that to modern day? Mm-hmm. So then like any war that America fights then is not, like it's fine because it's killing and it's not murder. And there does have to be like a justified mm-hmm. war for it to really count as that. And in the same way, like how do you know yeah. when to mm-hmm. have a falsehood I th- is morally permissible. You go ahead, Regent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think one of the things I really struggle with in this type of context would be more of the application in our times now because because of like James looking back on Rahab and holding it as righteousness um, or Hebrews talks about her faith. I 
won't say that she didn't act righteously. Um, I struggle understanding it though, as it applies in our context now, mm. which is probably a lack of also understanding truly exactly the application of it here in this context as well. Yeah. I, I think that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. I think mm-hmm. when Paul says, do not do something you were convicted not to do, right? Because mm-hmm. um, that is a sin, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd say for anybody that heads into a war that feels convicted that it is wrong and that they should not be at war and these people should not be losing their lives over this because God is not uh, providentially uh, mm-hmm. c- commanding this, I think that is sin. And mm-hmm. it is sin because of the, the personal Holy Spirit conviction mm-hmm. that is within them, right? Mm-hmm. Just as I believe that somebody that is honestly... Um, walking in the spirit, uh, following God's word among God's people, mm-hmm. believes that they should be heading into this war and they're acting on God's behalf. I believe that it is possible it is not sin, mm-hmm. right? And I think we need to rest on the beauty of the fact that we have the Holy Spirit and we trust the Holy Spirit to convict us in those things. And there are some things that are more obvious than others. Let's let's take this idea. If you, if you just humor me for a minute, take this idea that there's a difference between lying and falsehood mm-hmm. and murder and killing. And let's go back up to the examples that he gave at the beginning, because I think that's what we're having an issue with, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, let's start with the woman. Is it ethical for a woman to fake a heart attack or to pretend to faint when attacked by a rapist or to call out for her husband as if he was close by when he is not? What is your initial, before you have any theological thought, what's your initial response? Yeah, That's you can okay. do whatever you want. Yeah, you should definitely yeah. make sure you do whatever you can to stop being raped, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And, and that is, I would say that is a a good um, a good answer. Yeah, right? Like the word of God is written on our hearts. There are there are certain things that it says the law is written. I just, you know, last Thursday night, I just spoke on this a little bit. Like it, it says it in Jeremiah 31, like part of the new covenant is that the law of God would be written on our hearts. There will be mm-hmm. things that we know. That, w- that will be universally true because God put them on our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the universal things we know is rape is bad, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. And so um, we, in- we immediately respond like, well, of course that wouldn't be wrong. But it's still, you know, if you don't believe in the difference between a lie and a falsehood, yeah, that's still a lie then, right? Mm-hmm. So is she yeah. sinning? It feels wrong for you to say she's sinning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'd say that's Holy Spirit conviction. It's Holy Spirit conviction for you to, to be like, oh no, she's not lying. I know, I know. Like you can feel that, you can see it. You, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Any other thoughts on that? So would you say like for the other one is about like police um, to operate radar and unmarked cars? So that's a falsehood, right? For them to be an unmarked car not being a police officer, but if they, if someone walked up to the win- window and like knocked on the window and said, Hey, are you a police officer? And they said, no, then would they still like, would they be lying mm. or that's still very situational based? Yeah. You know, once the government authority is involved and it's a matter of catching people in their falsehoods and, um, it is, um, you know, uh, so essentially you're asking about a sting operation, right? Like, yeah. is it wrong for police to be deceitful in order to set somebody up to commit a crime to arrest them for it? Well, this was like for speeding. Like, I feel like it's... Like oh, now I a, see it. Oh, is it ethical thing. for the police to operate radar in unmarked cars? Yeah, gotcha. so I'm not talking about like a big like drug yes. bust, they're undercover in a gang. Gotcha, okay. That thing more like the people on the side of the road with the radar uh-huh. up and you're in a school zone. And yeah. Is it wrong for the so police to do that? Is that falsehood? 
when they're unmarked, but if they outwardly, like if someone asks them, are you a police officer in an unmarked car and they say no, is that a lie? Mm. Or is it still a situational Yeah, I think it's hard for me to answer this one because I don't think any of them are like violations of the word of God in the sense of like, you know, that is all according to just the law of the land. Mm -hmm. So speeding is not... Um, in essence, a law of God, right? It's Mm -hmm. a law of God in the sense that we are to listen to our governing authorities. So it becomes the law of God when we don't listen to the law of the land. But we're we're talking about, is it wrong for somebody that represents the government to enact upon people that are breaking the government's laws? I think it's hard to answer that because it's not actually a moral moral question. It's a law question, right? Because Mm -hmm. in a different country, that would be a different response. It's not a universal truth. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, it's right because our government says it's right and yeah. because they allow it and yeah. because the Lord doesn't have anything against speeding except it's against the law. And and also that falsehood is only a falsehood in the sense as it's against the government, but the government's yeah. the one producing it. So is it wrong for the police to say, no, we're not the police? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Like that falsehood? Yeah, but I like I feel like what we're getting to is that so much of it is... Like that is not a black and white answer. I yeah. think that's like, I always want a black and white. This is clear. Yeah. And I thought Exodus, you know, 2016 or whatever, would give it to us. Like, do not lie. Yeah. But then we are seeing that as the Lord is working out in our own lives and we're in these situations, then not that his law is no longer in place and the command to not lie is no longer valid. But in certain situations, what we're finding is that falsehood yeah. Maybe different than a lie can be enacted without it being sinful because it's continuing the purposes and the protection that God desires of us. Is that what I'm hearing? I'd say to the extent in which do not murder is um, it, in the exact same passage, Exodus 20, mm-hmm. right? With the, the Ten Commandments, do not murder is mm-hmm. one of the commandments, mm-hmm. yet we see that it's okay to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, to that extent, I think it follows suit. Do not lie means there might be a chance. uh, It could be ethically permissible for there to be a Mm -hmm. falsehood, right? That there could be a difference between the two, just like there is a difference Mm -hmm. between murdering and killing. So yes, I'm agreeing with you saying that uh, scripture shows that there's some kind of difference. Mm -hmm. And I think, unless you guys disagree disagree with me, do you think that those passages don't show that there's a difference? Like, is there, what are other interpretations that could be taken? Yeah, I was just about to bring it back to there. I, I, I'm coming. I'm becoming more comfortable with what we've been talking about here because I've just I've been thinking on it. And one of the th- questions that comes to mind whenever I read through the passage of Rahab specifically um, is when when she tells that lie to preserve these people's lives. One of the questions I have is why did she feel it was under her own power to protect them? Mm. Why couldn't she let the Lord do that? Mm-hmm. Which Sounds like as I've been, and I'm just kind of reflecting on it with it here and after hearing what we've been talking about might be a little bit of an unfair question. Um, because at that time, if she would have given them over, they almost certainly would have been killed. And so they wouldn't have been able to report back to Joshua kind of in the act of war topic. Um, and I personally don't know that I would given this situation specifically that depth of what she was protecting them from. Um, which makes it more significant of her hiding them out in, in, in my, um, in my mind at least. And then with scripture, looking back on her righteously, 
um, I don't think I ever gave her the ability to be the act that the Lord used to protect them. Does that make sense? So are you saying, wait, are you, okay. You're asking what? So I asked the question, the question I asked is why did Rahab herself? I basically have put it on Rahab on her own. That's what you've done power. in the past or you're currently asking that right now? I have in the past. Yeah. I'm reflecting on that right now. with kind of what we've been talking about mm. of like, why did she have to do it? Why did she lie? Why did, why didn't she them? trust that the Lord would protect exactly. them? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the midst of what, like the faithfulness that he was talked about. Um, but as we're coming together on this, I think I'm, I'm coming to a place where maybe I'm seeing this as more of an act of faith than I mm-hmm. was before in the midst of the lie. Yeah. And some, some of your question is actually getting into discussions on the sovereignty of God, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what you're asking is almost, um, wh- why didn't she just trust that the Lord would save them? Why did yeah. she choose a lie? Right. Um, if we have a complete understanding of the sovereignty of God, the answer is because God uses people, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And because yeah. in his sovereignty, there are people... That's like, it'd be almost like going up and be like, well, why are you witnessing to this person? Mm-hmm. Why are you, why don't you just trust that God will bring them to yeah. Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And and you might be like, well, because Jesus commands us to. But either way, like, couldn't someone else do it then? Like, at some point, we acknowledge that God uses people to enact mm-hmm. things. And yeah. so um, and it's sort me, of like setting up a straw man. Yeah. And, and just punching it down, right? And, and for me, I'd built this barrier. I've built this barrier that a lie can't be used by God. And yeah. so when it comes to a story like this, that's where I've really struggled is to balance that because on one side, I'm, I've am i built up this God can't. And then scriptures seems to be laying it out differently. Yeah. And and God God can use literally anything, yes. right? And yeah. he does use everything. Uh, he uses the bad for good yeah. still. Um but you're essentially, I feel like what you're actually saying is that the struggle is not that God does use bad, but that God would choose to use bad, yeah. right? And that's that you felt like that about Rahab is like, no, God was choosing to use a lie in order to bring about something good rather mm-hmm. than just happening to use yeah. what, what she did, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think whenever I read it, like I don't question Rahab, I think more... Um, like, I feel like my inclination is more to question the character of God, especially because she's rewarded and the midwives are rewarded and all these, I mean, even you like... doubt God. Yeah. So yeah. even like Jacob and Esau and Jacob is deceitful and then the line of Christ comes through Jacob's line and it's like, what, like, why does Jacob deserve that, mm. you know? And so I feel like whenever I come to this passage, I was in the Knowing Faith, great podcast, um, and Jen Milken was talking about how we so often come to scripture and we come to hard passages like this, and um, we think if this is happening, how can God be good? And I'm having to switch my lens to what she says, that if God is good, then what does this mean? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we have to approach it first with what we know to be true about God, how scripture reveals it, and then approach scripture from there. And so I feel like that's what I'm having to do with this story. It's okay, I know that God is just, I know that God is sovereign. And so if those things are true, then I... Like, here's how I can approach the story of Rahab and understanding the scripture around it. Yeah, that's really good. I think there's a lot of other things that stem from it. Jacob and Esau is an, a fantastic example yeah. of, is it okay to lie? Because clearly the Lord blessed an entire nation through that lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not getting into that in this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. But we could even discuss how, what does falsehood and lie mean in that situation mm-hmm. as well? And what does it mean that his mother helped him do it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and you know that answer is probably more in well, what does it mean that God keeps His word to blessings, mm-hmm. right? With Ishmael and Isaac, right? Yeah. He blessed Ishmael. That, you know, we're getting. In, I should not be getting into this anyway. But I think <laughs> we'll get that, that is a good point. distinction. So, <laughs> yeah. like, if you're reading Joshua two, the main purpose of Joshua two is not to distinguish whether or not Rahab was right in her lying. Yeah. And so, we on this podcast, we're diving into this nitty gritty. That is not the whole purpose of Joshua two, and. There's something we talk about, like about um, descriptive versus prescriptive passages. This is describing what happened. It is not like a letter from Paul to Galatia saying, if you are in this difficult situation, you should lie. Instead, it is just describing in historical narrative what happened. So whenever we approach scripture, we do want to keep in mind um, the purpose of scripture and why it's being written the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, Yeah. you know, there's another article we read in preparation for this um, that talks about like the different ones. Like, and the first, the first response to this is like, this is way more about God's faithfulness mm-hmm. uh, to save somebody that wasn't even a Jew yeah. than, than anything else, right? Yeah. And um, yes, in some sense, my theological brain is like, yeah, that's a cop out. Let's actually get into the nitty gritty, yeah. right? But it's true, <laughs> it's true, and I shouldn't let it be a cop out. Second one was there's people that believe the Rahab wasn't lying and they'll jump through a whole bunch of gymnastics to show yeah. mm-hmm. how what she was saying was sexually charged. Like, I don't know the men, meaning like I didn't know them sexually. And da, 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 yeah. da. I'm mm-hmm. like, I think it's way more face value than that. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think Joshua, the author is the author about Joshua um, is telling a story mm-hmm. right, and saying what happened. So, yeah. and then there is what we discuss. There's a difference between falsehood and lying mm-hmm. um, and yada, yada. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, that they're, they're, the Lord chooses to um, bless Rahab either way, mm-hmm. right? And uh, her faithfulness. So um, we probably didn't provide as many answers as we did questions nope. in this podcast, <laughs> but you got to hear us talk about um, all the things that we consider when we think about it. And, and I, I hope that you start coming to a conclusion on this yourself. I think the things we can agree on, it sounds like, is that we can agree that there is definitely some kind of difference between lying and yep. whatever is going on here and yeah. in, and in um and in Exodus mm-hmm. with the with uh, the Pharaoh right yep. like we can at least come to that point and where falsehood and lie have differences how they mm-hmm. play out that's that's the part we can't fully mm-hmm. agree on it'd be really hard yeah you know um but we've come to that and maybe you've landed there too that there's a difference between those two things at least mm-hmm. and what's going on here. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more conversations like this in the future. Um, it's been about 30 minutes, so we'll, we'll probably sign off at this point. I don't know what we'll talk about next week. Maybe something more like this. Maybe we'll continue. Maybe we'll start talking about uh, God's faithfulness and blessings and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Who knows? So good. All right. But until then, uh, no, we love you. We're praying for you and we'll see you next time.